0: In worship this morning, uh, part of uh, you know it being a a fall uh, break and a lot of families going, it took a lot of our instrumentalists away and uh, some of our singers, and a couple of them were sick, and so we really weren't sure when we got up this morning uh, how all this was going to unfold. But God blessed us, put it all together, so we we'll just give the Lord a hand for these and what they uh, have led us in worship this morning. Thank you. Uh, If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11 uh, as we continue our study of this chapter. Our particular focus uh, as we look uh, at uh, this chapter together is uh, to look at particular men and women who are listed here because this is called the Faith Hall of Fame. In other words, there was something in the lives of these men and women, their trust, their beliefs, their faith in God, that the Lord wanted to point out to us. And of course, if he's wanting to point it out to us, that means there's something he wants us to learn from them. And so we have been, the whole purpose here is to study their lives and these particular men and women so that we can learn what kind of faith we're going to need not not tomorrow, not in a week or years ahead, but even right now in our lives. The kind of faith that can stand the test of the pressure and the persecution that is coming. When we look at um, what's happening in our culture here in America, what's happening in our country, uh, the chaos, uh, the confusion, everything that is going on. and and sometimes we just kind of go, I don't know, because of the way things are. And we look at what's happening around the world, and then listen, we compare that to the signs given to us in Scripture that we ought to be looking for. When we look at, compare to the Scriptural promises or prophecies that are given to us, then you have to come to one or two conclusions, either we are moving toward the end of this age, which is called the church age, which comes to an end with the rapture of the church, and with the rapture of the church, the ushering in of the seven years of tribulation and judgment. Either that is taking place, or we at least are moving into a season, just because of what we see unfolding in front of us, of great pressure and persecution for people of faith, and particularly those who are followers of Christ. And it became important to me as your pastor, and just in my own personal life, and thinking about my own family, that uh, we, we can't wait to prepare for that. Uh, we need to have the kind of faith that these men and women had to be able to stand the tests that are coming. We're already beginning to feel the pressure, we're already beginning to experience some levels of persecution, but unless something changes the direction our culture is going, our country is going, it's going to intensify greatly. And here's what I want you to understand about this faith that these men and women had that we need. You cannot just muster it up. You said, know, what do you mean by that? In other words, you can't wait until the pressure's there. You can't wait until the persecution gets there and say, well, I tell you what, when they draw the line right here, here is what I'm going to do. Now, if you don't have it before you get there, here's what's going to happen. You're going to bend and then you're going to break. You're going to begin to fold and falter in terms of your faith and give in to the pressure and the persecution of our culture and what is taking place. In fact, the truth of the matter is, we're seeing this happen already, and many of the quote unquote church going people can I just use that phrase in a very general statement? But there's a lot who are already bending and breaking, they're already folding and faltering uh, because of the pressure uh, that uh, they are feeling from the culture that is all around them, what's happening in this country. So it's very, very important that we look at these men and women because we need what they have for us to be able to have a strong and courageous faith. And listen, moms and dads and even grandparents, we must instill these things into the hearts and lives of our children and our grandchildren, or they're gonna bend and break they're gonna fold and falter. In fact, that's the reason we see what is happening even today. We've already lost one generation. The next generation seems to be going the exact same direction as the one before it. So what I'm sharing with you is very, very important and it's coming from a heart, of course, as we look at this together. So last week, we were looking at the faith of Abel today We want to look at the faith of Noah. Hebrews chapter 11 and in verse 7. So let me read that to you. Scripture says, By faith Noah, being warned by God about the things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world, and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Now let's just take this one man, Noah. What it says here in verse 7, and I don't want to draw your attention to two things. So, first of all, I want to draw your attention to the darkness surrounding Noah. The darkness surrounding Noah. I'm talking about the culture in which he lived and what he was dealing with at that time. So, for us to be able to get that, I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And this is where we found the story of Noah and the ark. And most of you have heard that story. We won't be looking at all the details, but what is important for what we need to be talking about today. Genesis chapter 6. And uh, look with me in verse 5. Because in verse 5, we find out the darkness or the culture in which Noah lived at that time. It says in verse 5, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent, circle that word intent, that means every motivation, what was behind everything they were thinking, everything they were doing in that culture. Listen to this that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Not wrap your minds around what's just been said. Everything, every motivation, everything that for the reason they were doing what they're doing, saying what they're doing, rejecting what they were doing, whatever it was, he says that it was all motivated by evil thoughts continually, not just... They stumbled every once in a while. Sometimes as followers of Christ, having been saved by the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, we have this incredible relationship. But the truth of the matter is we all at times stumble. We all at times mess up. And so we use that phrase, you know, that, well, I I stumbled here. That's not what he's describing here. He's talking about uh, an all-out hunger and thirst for evil. Continually, and so so here's the culture. Here's the darkness that surrounded Noah in that day: gross, unrepentant immorality, uh, great violence everywhere, uh, and just grievous rejection of God Himself. They didn't believe in Him. They didn't want to hear about Him. They just wanted to live out this this darkness that was in their lives. And so they had a calloused heart, they had a corrupt mind. And and so they're just living that out every day all around Noah. There was darkness and darkness leads to depravity. And that's where Noah was. And that's the kind of culture he was living in. Does this sound familiar to you? (laughs) Greatly, because that's exactly, if we're not there, we're pretty close to it here uh, in the United States of America, gross, unrepentant immorality everywhere you turn, uh, great violence uh, it absolutely stuns me. some of the things that that, that, that I read about in the news i don 't really watch the news that much, but you know I have one of those apps, and so I can pull up box or whatever and just kind of get the the stories of the day, the national stories of the day and some of them just absolutely, they use my mother's terminology who's with the Lord now, but she said, that just blows my mind. Well, these things just blow my mind. I mean, just in the, it's not at dark at night, but just the middle of the day, they're just shooting each other or beating each other up and robbing one another. And, you know, I was just reading yesterday of, on a train in Philadelphia, a woman was attacked. And there were all the people, well, people were there in the train with them. They didn't do anything. They just sit there and watched it. Unbelievable to me. But that's just scratching the surface. What When I get on that app or what you read, it's just scratching the surface of the great violence and just this incredible, grievous rejection of the Lord our God that is in this country. We're living in very very similar culture and darkness that Noah was living in. And, and let me just remind you what Jesus said about that over in Matthew chapter 24 just to, to let you know why we kind of think, are we moving into the end of the age? Are we Are we moving towards that time where the Lord's going to rapture his church, rapture his people and usher in the seven years of tribulation and judgment. Well, here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 and uh, in in verses uh, uh, 37 and 38. And I'm actually going to read all the way through 39. So listen to this very, very carefully. He's talking about the end times, the end of the age. And he says this, for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. Just like In other words, that's what the culture is going to be like. That's what you're going to be looking for. When you begin to see uh, this, this uh, gross, unrepentant immorality, this great violence everywhere, a grievous rejection of the Lord, he says, that's one of the signs you need to be looking for. He says, For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, And they did not understand until the flood came and it took them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. When your heart is calloused and your mind is corrupt, your eyes are blinded. And you can't see. You can't see. And they just thought life was wonderful in their darkness, and in their depravity, and then boom, the flood came, and it was too late. And that's the way it's going to be. Are we in those, if we're not, we're getting there fast. Do I have a witness on there? We're moving there very, very rapidly. So that that was the darkness that that uh, that surrounded Noah. Well, I lay that out because I really want to focus for the most of my time with the second thing, and that is the, the decision of Noah. And it's the same decision you have, you and I have to make. How is he going to deal with it? How are you dealing with it? How am I dealing with it? Are we going to compromise to the darkness? Are we going to compromise to our culture? Are we going to change our beliefs so that we better fit in with what's happening in our culture and our day and in our time? Well, Noah had a decision to make. And in that decision, he had to decide these three things. Listen to me carefully. Was he going to allow the culture around him to define him? Was he going to allow the culture around him to direct his life? Was he going to allow the culture around him to deceive? we got to make those same decisions. and We're going to let our culture, what we see happening now, define us, direct us, and deceive us. Well, as we look at Noah and we look at what took place in his life, I want you to notice four characteristics of his decision are related to his decision. The first thing I want you to notice is his favor, his favor. Here's what it says back in Genesis chapter 6 and and uh, reading further into what the scripture says here. Let me first of all read verses 6 and 7 and then I want to jump down to uh, verse 8. It says the Lord was sorry. I mean it was so bad. Here, here's what the Lord said. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. That's just how bad it had gotten. But then the very next verse, verse 8 says, but Noah found favor. Some of your translations use the word grace, found grace, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. In the midst of all this darkness, God looked down and He found a man that He could lavish His favor upon. Now, folks, brothers and sisters in Christ, everyone that is here, you walked. You should walk. You should hunger, thirst for the favor of God on your life. Because with his favor comes his presence. With his favor comes his promises. With his favor comes his power that we're all going to need. We need his presence. We need his promises. We need his power. Otherwise, we are going to fold and falter. We're going to bend and break under the pressure and the persecution that is to come. And Noah, God looked down and he saw in Noah something that pleased him greatly. And he says, Noah has found favor in my sight. I want to remind you of a a verse uh, out of 2 Chronicles. If you take your Bibles, just uh, turn there with me for a moment. Just 2 Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9 because I I just want to remind us this morning that The reality that that God has his eyes on us all the time. Every single one of us, he doesn't miss his 24-7. In fact, scripture puts it this way. (coughs) Excuse me. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, the very first part of verse 9, it says, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth. He's looking at all of us all the time. And as he is looking at us, it says... He is looking that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. I had to ask myself that question. Is my heart completely uh, the Lord's? You have to answer that question yourself. Is your heart completely his? Because that's what he's looking for, that he can touch your life, he can bless your life with his favor. That is his presence, his promises, his power. As you deal with these realities that we're facing every single day, and then as they increase and we move deeper into this season of pressure and persecution, So first of all, notice that when when God looked down, obviously Noah had made the right decision. He was not going to allow the culture to define him. He was not going to allow the culture around him to to direct his life. He was going to not allow the culture to deceive him about the truth and who truly is the only true living God to live for and worship. Notice secondly, though, his faith. And this is the part that I really want you to zero in on. Not just his favor, but his faith. Kind of interesting as we go back to the Genesis chapter 6. And, and it says, in, beginning in verse 11, it says, Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked on the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. And then God said to Noah the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence because of them and behold I am about to destroy them with the earth. But then he says this to Noah make for yourself an ark of go for what? Now most of you I assume all of you, you've heard the story of Noah and the ark. And what is fascinating to me is I go back to just look at it and look at it in light of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, because the very first part of that verse that we read says that God warned him of things yet seen. In other words, God was revealing, he was giving revelation to Noah that something is coming that you have never seen. You have no concept of in your mind right now. And so as a result of that, I want you to build an ark to save your household. Now, this wasn't just a regular boat, was it? <laughs> now, how many of you have been to the, the ark up in Kentucky? And seeing that, it just blows you away. You know, football field and a half long, seven stories high for Noah's little family. And and besides that, the Lord instructed him to build it in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it wasn't like he was, you know, in a bay, it wasn't like, you know, he was right there at the sea or the ocean. Or I mean, he's in an area where there's no real water especially for a boat that size. And so here he said, Noah, here's what I need you to do. I need you to build an ark this big right where you live, and I'm going to bring animals to you you've never seen in your life, and here's the reason why you need to do this. It's going to rain. And so Noah says, rain? What's rain? Rain? You see, scripture's scripture is clear. It had not rained on the earth before the flood. The Lord had created a means from coming up out of the earth to, to water the vegetation, the earth, and everything of that nature. They had never seen rain. What, what's rain? He says, this is what I want you to do. How would you respond to that? Who is you? Let's say God revealed to you something of equal proportion that would require the same amount of faith as Noah had. To build something you've never built before, possibly at least never at that stage or at that Level in a place where you can't use it for something's going to happen that you don't even understand. How would you respond to that? I couldn't help but think, being a pastor, how a church would respond to something like that. <laughs> you know, Lord sends a message, a revelation to a body of Christ. Let's say. WBC and it says here is what I am warning you to do. And we look at it as God has laid it out for us and we're going uh, uh, we don't have the resources for that. It doesn't seem to make any sense at all and what do you think most churches would do? Nothing. See, it's not only individual faith that we're going to need, it's going to be corporate faith together. It's the body of Christ. As this pressure comes, as this persecution comes, we we have got to be of one heart and one accord and one spirit in terms of what is coming so that we are prepared for that just like Noah. Now here's the beauty of what what happened here with Noah. It says this in in verse 22 of Genesis chapter 6, the very last verse after God's laid it all out, here's the dimensions, here's everything you need, here's what I want you to do, and it says in verse 22, thus Noah did according to all. That God had commanded him, so he did. And in Hebrews 7, he said he did it in reverence. Did it in reverence. What does that mean? We've been working off a definition of faith in this particular study. It is simply this our response of obedience to God's revelation. It, when God reveals His will, we do it. Doesn't matter the cost, what it may cost us, or what the cost would take. Doesn't matter if we fully understand it, doesn't matter if it makes sense to us. But if God reveals it, it may be a principle of life, it may be a promise he's given to us, a precept, a commandment, just like we're talking about here. But the moment we discern and we understand what his will is, what he's telling us to do, we do it. That's faith. Why? Because we've settled something in our heart. Here's what we've settled that God, the Lord, our God, is all-powerful, infinitely wise, perfectly trustworthy. We have settled the complete integrity of God in our heart. And so whatever he tells us to do, we know, we know it is the right thing to do we don't have to understand it all. We don't have to be able to go out there and measure the resources to do it. Whatever that means, it doesn't matter the cost. It doesn't matter whether there's something we've never seen before. God said it, we do it. That's faith. And that's exactly what Noah did. And what came with that? The presence of God, the promise of God, power of God. How important is all that? Well, let me give you a couple of verses here out of the Gospel of John and then out of 1 John. John chapter 14, verse 21, and then I'm going to read verse 23. These happen to be two verses I come back to often because of just the power of the message behind them. Here's what Jesus said. He who has my commandments. Let me reword that. He who has received revelation from me. You know my will. You know what I want you to do. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. How do we measure our love for God? How we keep his word, how we keep his commandments, our obedience to his revelation. He says he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. What does mean? God says, I'll keep revealing my will. I'll keep speaking into your heart. I'll keep speaking into your life so you know exactly what you need to do in this situation, this circumstance. With this challenge, under this pressure, as you face this persecution. Verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. His presence, his promises it's power. All built upon faith. Our obedience to his revelation. A key part of of this level of faith, this kind of faith that we need is going to obviously involve our prayer life. As pressure mounts, as persecution comes and and we're having to deal with that situation, just in daily life as it is, but with what is to come, I, being able to receive from God what we need is going to be critical. Do I have a witness on that? Right? So listen to what this verse tells us, these two verses in First John chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. John writes, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Listen to this. Verse 22, whatever we ask, we receive from him. Wow. To have the confidence because of your experience to say, whatever I ask of him, I receive. What's the basis of that? He tells us because we keep his commandments. We obey his revelation to us and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. In relation to our focus this morning, those who do not allow culture to define them culture to direct them, or culture to deceive them. That's the heartbeat of faith because of our reverence. That is, we have settled the issue in our heart that God is all powerful, that God is infinitely wise, that God is perfectly trustful. notice thirdly, not just his favor and his faith, but notice his focus. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it's really in the middle of a sentence, but there's a particular phrase I'm just going to draw your attention to. But it says in verse 5 of 2 Peter chapter 2, and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness. So in the midst of all this, Noah was not only building an ark to save his household, to save his family from what is to come, he was sharing his faith. Can I just, I just want to just put it this way. Brothers and sisters, listen. We got to, we got to find freedom from this satanic fear about sharing our faith, the destiny of people's souls, the destiny of our children's souls, our grandchildren, our friends, extended family. I can't remember how many years ago it was that with the senior adults, we were up in Pennsylvania Amish country, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and we went to theater, it was called the, uh, the Millennial Theater then, I think it's changed, they've changed the name because they had a fire and had to rebuild, but it was a play about Noah, one of the most incredible plays I've ever seen in my life, and so the first half there, They're building the boat and just what Noah was going through, dealing with the darkness that surrounded him. And you can kind of use your imagination there. And then you have intermission. And after intermission, and everybody's back in their seat, the lights go completely out. I mean, just completely dark. And you start hearing this rain pattern. And then lights come on, and you're inside the ark, three stories high in that theater with animals over here. You know, just, you can't begin to imagine. And then you started hearing the cries of people outside the ark. But I'm your uncle. I'm your cousin. These people crying for Noah to open the door. He couldn't open the door because he's not the one who shut it. The scripture says God shut that door. And you sit there and think about all these people. But it's not because they didn't hear. They did have someone who was proclaiming and sharing his faith, and that was Noah. But we have people everywhere who, who do not hear. They don't, they don't get a chance to hear the gospel. They don't even... No, there are people who have never even heard the name Jesus. And because Satan has gripped our hearts with fear, we should share our faith through our lives. Culture's not going to define us, direct us, or deceive us. We should share our faith with our lips, no matter the cost. We should share our faith. In love. Now, moms and dads, listen to me. Until it's real in your life, you're not going to be able to make it real in your children's lives. It's not going to happen. You don't have a basis by which to build it into them if it's not built into you. If if culture is defining you, if culture is directing you, if culture is deceiving you, then you can count on it. Culture has your kids. Your grandkids. They're going to bend and break. They're going to fold and falter. Because we didn't take it serious enough to build the kind of faith into their hearts and lives for them to be strong and courageous. When they graduate from high school, they go to their first semester in college, it's over. It's over, folks. Accident happens before that. Am I right, Rusty? He knows it starts with me as a baba grandpa, whatever word you want to use it starts with you as a parent it's got to be true in me before I can build it into them and they can build it, it's got to start with you not a faith that you can muster up doesn't work that way it's a faith you've already built into your So, don't you to bow your heads and close your eyes in a spirit of prayer. And I want to, we'll have a little time of invitation here. Anything you need, you have, or whatever, um, this altar is going to be open, whatever God is telling you to do. And then, after a few moments, I'm going to have prayer for three people. Now, listen to me carefully. Three people, so my heart this morning. And you just listen with the eyes closed. Just be in a spirit of prayer before we even start this. But I've been sharing with you about Kelly Dillivue, our sister in Christ. As you know, we prayed last week. We knew it was critical. Timing was critical in everything. And on Monday it happened. And she got that liver transplant. It was perfect timing. The surgery went great. Except they nicked the little blood vessels so they had to go back in. And deal with that. She's stable now. Got a long ways to go. We need to be praying for our sister. Then there's a lady that means so much to me. And know she means a lot to, to a lot of you here who have known her for through the years, and that's Miss Betty Jean Sims. And uh, God used her, has used her through the years to bless so many people in his name. And uh I want us to pray for her and her family uh, as they love on her and and, uh, do everything they can to make sure she gets all the care that she needs at this time in her life. It's tough. Some of us have been there, had to make similar decisions. And then I want us to pray for a couple, Thomas uh, and uh, Feranda, Feranda. I think I'm pronouncing that correct. I had a baby shower for them just a couple weeks ago. Some of you participated in it. They both have tested positive for COVID. Um, she right now is in Greenwood Hospital and she is in labor and this is about four weeks early. Um, her oxygen is below 90. So we're talking about some critical things going on. And, uh, and as soon as that baby's delivered, they'll have to remove that child from her presence because she's tested positive for COVID. And so there's a lot of dynamics to this. So James, if you'll just, you'll just start the music, if there's anything you need, I want us to have a time for you to respond to the word and then make whatever decision you need to make. And then I want us to have prayer.